We continue this morning with the mini-series, Glimpses of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, reading now the concluding passage of the Sermon on the Mount found uh, in Matthew 7, beginning at verse 24. You'll find that on page 812 of the Pew Bible. I invite you to open your Bible or a Pew Bible for the reading of God's Word. And let us ask the one who spoke these words, now by the power of His Holy Spirit, to speak them afresh to us. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, We ask that you would visit us in the power of the Holy Spirit and gather us around yourself that we might sit at your feet and by your miraculous power open our deaf ears, soften our hard hearts, give spiritual sight to our blinded eyes and empower our feeble souls. So that by your grace, your word would renew our minds and cause us to walk in your ways and keep your commandments to the glory of the Father. Amen. Let us hear the word of God, the words of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house And it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. And now unto him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood, to Jesus Christ be all dominion, praise, honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came a-tumbling down. If we learn that song as children, or if we're teaching that song to our children or grandchildren, this parable may be one of the most familiar to us, but make no mistake. The parable of the wise man and the foolish man, or the two builders and the two houses, As popular as it may be with children because of that fun little song, nevertheless, this passage is not child's play. It is serious business from the lips of the Son of God. As I noted in the introduction, it is the conclusion to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And, And therefore, the parable of the wise man and foolish man refers to all that has preceded it in that great sermon. It it refers also to everything that Jesus taught 
recorded elsewhere in the four Gospels. But very simply, it is all about doing Jesus' words, practicing what he preaches. In the Sermon on the Mount, that includes things such as getting rid of the sinful attitudes in our lives, anger, lust, vengeance. It includes turning the other cheek and loving even our enemies as God loves us. It includes the spiritual practices of giving to the poor secretly and praying simply but sincerely in secret and not laying up for ourselves treasures on earth but investing our earthly treasure in the work of God's kingdom. It includes not being faithlessly anxious, but trusting God to provide. It requires not judging others, taking the beam out of our own eyes before we try to take the speck out of another's eye. In sum, it is all about doing unto others what we would wish them to do to us. The Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls us to practice what he preaches. And the point of this concluding parable is that the Sermon on the Mount is not merely a collection of pious platitudes of inspirational philosophy for us to admire. These words are the words of the Son of God and they are words of life to those who do them and words of death To those who don't. Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Now think about what Jesus is saying here. Think about the authority Jesus is claiming for himself Think about the way in which Jesus is holding us accountable to his words. When Jesus says, these words of mine, he is asserting his divine messianic authority. His words bring blessing, protection, salvation for those who hear and obey. And his words bring Curse, destruction, condemnation to those who hear but do not obey. That is the power and authority of the divine word. Blessing and curse, life and death. So let's be clear. In this concluding parable of the wise man and foolish man, Jesus, by his divine authority, is setting forth the dividing line between blessing and curse, life and death. That dividing line distinguishes between those who hear his words and do them and those who hear his words and do not do them. Let's think about that distinction. Jesus calls one a wise man and the other a foolish man. But Jesus is not simply calling one smart and the other stupid. That's not the point at all. We've got to think in biblical terms, biblical vocabulary. According to the Bible, what makes a person wise? 
What is the key ingredient to wisdom? The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A wise man, a wise woman, fears the Lord. That is, reveres the word of the Lord. Seeks to please the Lord in obedience to His word. And seeks to walk humbly in faith, in submission to God's word. A wise man or a wise woman who is poor in spirit will repent of his or her sin and seek forgiveness through the grace and mercy of God. But what about the foolish man who built his house on the sand? What or who is a fool according to the Bible? What is the essence of foolishness according to the biblical definition? Psalm 14.1 defines it this way. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. But watch this. That does not necessarily mean that the fool is an atheist intellectually. Now, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. That means that the fool is a practical atheist. An atheist in day-to-day life. No matter what he says, he believes. At the very practical level of day-to-day living, the fool acts as though there is no God. The fool lives and acts as though he or she is not accountable to God. The fool lives and acts as though he or she will suffer no consequences for disobeying the word of God. The fool may very well say with his or her mouth, of course I believe in God. But in his heart, in the control center of his life, where it counts, as it issues forth in real life, day-to-day living, the fool says in his heart, There is no God. That means no fear of God, no reverence for God, no respect for God, no love for God, no gratitude to God, no zeal for the glory of God, no broken-hearted, poor-in-spirit humility before God, no repentance for sin, no desire to please God by living according to His Word. And the fool thinks he's just fine, just the way he is. Thank you very much. That's the life of a fool. He builds his house on sand. And the fool's house, mark this, the fool's house built on sand can stand upright. For some time, perhaps a long time in this world. As long as the rains do not pour down and the flood waters don't rise and the winds don't beat against it, the fool's house will stand just fine. Just fine. As long as there is no storm. The problem is, sooner or later, In this fallen world of sin and suffering, trial and trouble. 
storm is going to blow. Jesus was very matter-of-fact about that, and our own experience confirms it. Storms do blow up, blow in, and blow against the houses, our lives, that we build. Storms do come against the wise, the godly, against those who fear God and revere His Word and seek to please Him. Now, note that. Please, note it. The wise man in the parable, the wise man who built his house on the rock, the wise man who did the Word of God was not exempt from the storm. The wise man who built his house on the rock was not spared the fury of the storms of life. Some of the fiercest storms blow against God's faithful people. So maybe you've been through a terrible storm in your life. One that threatened to demolish you. You may be experiencing such a storm in your life right now. That, that does not mean that God is against you or that He has forgotten you or does not care about you. If your house, your life is built on the rock, Jesus Christ, then the storms that come against you will not destroy you. The storms that come against you will actually serve to prove the power and faithfulness of Jesus Christ in your life. So the rains fall, the floods rise, the winds beat and blow on the house, but the house does not fall. Why not? Because it is founded on the rock, Jesus Christ, the only sure foundation of life, and praise and glory be to Him when your house stands firm through the storm. It is a witness to Him. And if Jesus Christ is the bedrock foundation of your life, then through all the storms of life, you can say in the words of the psalmist, in true faith, the Lord lives, blessed be my rock. Blessed be my rock. And exalted be the God of my salvation. So the first part of this passage speaks a great promise of blessing to us. A promise of grace which beckons us to obedience. Jesus declares that those who hear his words and do them, those who practice what he preaches, will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock the storms will come, the rains will fall, the floods will rise, the winds will blow, but the house built on the rock, the life built on Jesus Christ, will stand. Now, almost as a, as a parenthetical aside, but an important point, let me say, even though this passage gives us a serious call to obedience, as Jesus' disciples, it, it does not teach some kind of salvation by works or salvation by trying hard enough to be good enough. I mean, remember, remember, the very first words of the Sermon on the Mount are, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know their need of God's grace and mercy. The wise man who builds his house on the rock knows his desperate need for the grace and mercy of God. That's at the very foundation. The wise man is not self-sufficient before God. 
The wise man has nothing to boast about concerning himself, nor any credit to take for himself. The wise man knows that his security in Christ is a gift of grace, a mercy of God. The wise man knows that his house stands in the storm, not because of his own strength or wisdom, but only because the foundation is sure. Jesus Christ, the sure foundation. And the wise man knows, truly wise man knows, that a foundation of spiritual pride and sanctimonious self-righteousness is a foundation of sinking sand of the very worst kind. Okay. Now, what about the foolish man who built his house on the sand? Why did he build his house on the sand? Not because he was stupid. Not because he didn't know anything about building houses. He built his house on the sand because he didn't believe that it really mattered. It's the attitude which says, Oh, it'll never happen to me. I've never suffered a terrible storm in my life, not experiencing terrible storm. Now, why should I be afraid of a storm? In the I'm, not, I'm, just not, you know, I'm, just, I'm just not concerned about it. I just, don't, you know, I, just don't, I just don't feel a need to build my house on a rock. I'll deal with that if I need to when I need to. I just don't feel the need. I just, you know, I'm a, I like the sand. I'll be fine. Really, I'll, I'll be fine. But at that point, it will it will be too late. If your house is built on the sand of disregard for the Lord Jesus Christ and disobedience to His Word, if your house is built on the sand of your own supposed self-sufficiency, you're not going to have the foundation you need to stand firm through the storm. If your life is built on the sand, think about it, sand, Sand, if, the, if your house is built on the sand of a worldly foundation, money, financial security, whatever that is, family names, social standing, personal abilities, personal prestige, personal beauty, personal resume of accomplishment. If your life is built on the grains of sand which quickly pass through the hourglass of time, then the storms of this world can and may wipe it all out in a moment. Jesus said the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. That's a warning from the lips of the Son of God. A warning which we ought to hear spoken in a tone of love and compassion. But it's a warning nonetheless. Now, I suppose that it, it may be true that perhaps not everyone has to Suffer a terrible storm in this life. I, I suppose that that might be the case for some. I suppose that there are some fools who are happy fools all their life long. But there is a storm. 
that each and every one of us all will face. The perfect storm. The Bible says, It is appointed for man to die once. And after that comes judgment. Hebrews 9.27 The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There is no way to deny or to escape the fact that Jesus' words in this passage point to and have their direct trajectory toward the last judgment. This passage is about the wise man and, uh, uh, and foolish man. Ultimately, it has to do with the great divide facing each and every one of us as we face our eternal destiny. Ultimately and finally, this parable at the end of the Sermon on the Mount speaks to us of the inevitability of death, judgment, heaven, or hell. Two builders, two houses, two destinies. Make no mistake about it. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount comes to its crashing, climactic conclusion right at this point. Jesus, the Son of God, concluded His Sermon with a warning about ultimate and final destruction. I'm not making it up. There it is right here in Jesus' own words. And it really ought to get our attention Jesus is serious about what he says and he calls us to a serious response to what he says. He is serious when he calls us to be his disciples and when he teaches his word and he calls us to be serious about following him and doing his word and giving our lives over to him in faith and trust. And don't you see though, don't you see that even this word of warning here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, his word of warning is a word of grace. His word of warning is a word of grace which calls us to repentance and calls us back into the security of his blessing. His word of warning is a word of grace which calls us forward into his everlasting kingdom. His word of warning is really a word of grace and love because he knows. He knows. The Son of God knows what he is talking about. The Son of God knows that there really is a great divide. That there really is a difference in the end. An eternal difference between a house built on the rock and a house built on sand. He knows. And because He loves us, He has told us. And He calls us to trust Him and to obey Him because He alone, He alone is the one who can save us. Jesus is the one and only one who perfectly fulfilled the law of God, the word of His Father. Jesus is the one and only one who has offered up his own sinless life as the perfect, all-sufficient sacrifice for all your sins and mine. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the one and only rock of salvation, the only sure foundation upon which you can stand secure through all the storms of life, even the final storm of death and judgment. Through faith in Christ, 
those who trust in him will stand in the presence of his glory, full of joy, clothed in his righteousness, standing upon the rock. Two builders, two houses, two destinies. Build your house on the rock, Jesus Christ. And to his name be all praise, honor, and glory forever. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have not left us to perish in our sins, in lives swallowed up by the sinking sands of this world. Grant us grace, O God, to lay hold of your promises by true faith and use your word to strengthen us. Give us your spirit for power and joy that we may be Not hearers only, but doers of your word, by your grace, under your mercy, and to the glory of your name. Amen.